you lose yourself. And, and that's what I love about yeah. entrepreneurship is if you're doing it right, you gain a lot of freedom. And it's my number one message is freedom and authenticity, because if you're doing it right, you can work around what is best for you, your family, your life outside of business. And you can build a brand that represents you and who you are. And then you get to show up at this job that is you, that, it, that represents all the different parts of you. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. And I'm very excited to have Jessica Denehi. I got that right. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? That's awesome. I'm doing really good. You've got a lot of exciting things going on. So just to kind of break this out, you are an entrepreneur to the bone. Um, you've got Pivot and Slay as a ultimate guide of mind mastery, which is um, a business that you run. You also have a couple of books as well, which is Pivot and Slay. And then you also have Startup Legends Handbook, Open for Business. And you have the Mad Men Hair. It's a hair salon, correct? Barbershop. It's a barbershop. Yeah. So much to unpack here. The question that I had right off the bat was this. I went through, did my homework, started to learn a little bit about you. And you definitely have a, uh, a confidence about you. And when I talk with people that have this type of personality, my question is that, do you have a time before 10 years old that you realize that you could take the room or you would take control or, you know, were you playing house or something like that? And you're like, hey, I'm the mom. Or did you ever have a moment like that before, like an early age? I think I had a lot of moments like that. <laughs> I'm just um, a natural leader. So if I see that no one else is going to take the reins or there's some kind of hesitation, I'm just like, let's get it done. And I kind of pop right in. So I definitely saw that a lot growing up when you have to work in like groups and stuff like that. But a moment where internally I was like, oh, I could do anything, can I, was uh, kind of silly. <laughs> I was in this gymnastics class and I wasn't good. It was like gymnastics mixed <laughs> with dance. Sure. And I like to think I'm a good dancer. And if you watch my reels, maybe you'll agree. But it really, it's like, you know, silly stuff. Sure. So I did like this somersault and my head, like I had this thing on my head. I was part of the outfit and it popped off. And I was like center stage. So that kind of messed up the whole thing. Um, so I was like, whoops. And I just kind of like scooped it up and I like made a little hand motion, like a silly hand motion. And like the whole crowd laughed. And I think it was then that I realized like, if I just own me, then there's a power to that, that a lot of other people don't have. And I'm not sure it fully sunk in, but I remember like after that, I kind of changed the way that I approached mistakes in life. And it was kind of a lesson for me. That's interesting because that carries through. Did you catch that? Do you think even through high school or did you kind of lose that in high school? Because I feel like a lot of people are like all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute. I was super confident in junior high that something happened. They kind of get this <laughs> group, you know? did you I was not that? confident in junior high. No, oh, that's. Okay. You know, for me, confidence has been a real ebb and flow. And probably for most people, that's true. And 
as I, as I matured in business and well, every time I pivoted, I kind of had to regain that a little bit, uh, if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. you become like an expert in your lane and then you kind of shift a little and you're in new territory and you're out of your comfort zone and you have to find your footing yet again to feel really confident in that new zone that you're in. So, um, I was really not confident at all in middle school as probably most of, <laughs> most of us are, but you know, to get to your question, that did thread through me a little bit throughout my life. I think there was this like undertone of, I didn't necessarily care so much about what people thought I was just going to be true to me. But there were of course moments where I floundered just like anybody else and kind of wavered on my confidence. So I think it really wasn't until my legal career that I became really owning me fully. Um, and that's just gotten even stronger through the last several years. And what was your, um, I know that you had a legal career in some Wall Street stuff that you did as well. In that, um, do you think that that was because there's just such rigorous study and having to overcome and be like, hey, I have to be confident in this to succeed? Do you think that there was some shift there? There is a lot of ego in law school and in the law in general. I mean, there's like a lot of ego maniacal people in there. Um, I wasn't one of them because I barely got into law school. And I talk about this in my book is like, I, I got great grades my whole life. I was such a nerd and, you know, proud of it. And then I got to the LSAT and I kind of bombed it. And so that prevented me from getting into schools. I got waitlisted in a lot of places. And my confidence was pretty low at that point because I was like, oh my God, I might not get to fulfill this dream that I've been working for, for the last however many years. And um, in law school, they kind of, they give you all this homework over the summer before you start. And then on day one, they grill you. Like it's super scary. They call on you randomly. And so I got in to school the night before class started. <laughs> I was waitlisted to literally the 11th hour. So when I walked in that room, terrified is not even like a fourth of what I felt. And I was, un- I was not confident at all. And being in that room full of um, like people who are so full of themselves was scary. Mm. So I think uh, because I ended up making it through that, and getting a dream job for me at the end of those three years, I think that's when I was like, whoa, look at how I made this happen from a really crazy situation. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then and what, what was the first entrepreneurial set for you as you started to realize? Because that's a very much, uh, you know, uh, legal in here. I was, my girlfriend, she's a, an attorney and I'm like, man, you got to just you it's it's a it's in you and it's basically to go do the work get it done and stay as late as i have to to get it done because that's kind of the process which is a is shift from freedom of time maximizing your your dollar you know everything what was that had been a major shift for you too because that's a lot of freedom <laughs> yeah the thing the thing you'll learn about me is that I'm big into um, feeling things first. So I trust my inner compass, which is what we usually call like gut instincts. Mm -hmm. And so something in my legal job was irking me because I'm really efficient. I, and I still am today. Like, I just know what I want to do. I know how I have to do it. I know how I work best and I just do it. 
And because of that efficiency, I was getting really angered in my job because I had to sit at that desk late at night, no matter what, if my, all my work was done, I had to be there just to show face. And there was something really inauthentic and frustrating about that to me, because I'm like, dude, I'm done. Like I got everything I need done. Oh. I can do this. I could leave at 12 o'clock and still outwork you. That's just how I work. Yeah. And I started to feel really caged. And what I learned about myself in the law is like, I don't really like to be told what to do. I want to control my day and the way that I work because I know me better than anybody else. And I started to feel this way, but I didn't really know what to do about it because yeah. I'm like, man, I just spent the last 15, 20 years getting here. Now I'm here and 10 years in. I Well, and that doesn't even not include like family and friends and like, this is who you are. I mean, talk about identity crisis. Yeah, it's true. It, and, and, you know, work is a big part of who, how we identify ourselves and it shouldn't be that way because that's just such a small part of who I am. And I think what I was feeling was that like, this is not all of me. Like I want, I love to travel. I love to be a parent. I like to enjoy my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I don't have to be a lawyer or those things. I can be both, but like how I know there has to be a way. And it just so happened that, um, at the time I was married and my ex-husband now was out of work and he was just like, listen, I don't want to go back. I want to go do something else. And I have this idea will you fund it? And I'm like, okay. So I, I like the idea and I funded it and he was working at it, building it up. And I was kind of watching, doing my thing on wall street, you know, keeping holding down the fort financially. And that gave him the latitude to go out and build. And he did to the point where we could scale at, and at about two and a half years in, he was like, you got to leave so that we could like scale this. And I'm like, good idea. And I got out of there and that was the end of it. And I think, you know, it was a huge, it was weird because um, I was used to so much structure and then I yeah. didn't have any structure except what I created for myself. And it was weird. It was a very weird experience. I can't say on day one that I was like automatic entrepreneur. I think it definitely took some time for me to get comfortable in that role and gain my momentum and confidence there. Um, but once I did, there's going back. Now I'm just like, let's keep building. I want to keep building businesses. I'm never going to be chained down to a desk again. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's quite interesting when you transition, even, I mean, this is many years ago. It was like, I remember having, when I was much younger and I'd have a job, I had to work the weekends and it'd be like every weekend you had to work, you know, and you had like a Monday off. And then when that weekend was open, you almost felt like, I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what to do. I don't know. People yeah. shop on the weekends, you know. <laughs> you lose yourself. And, and that's what I love about yeah. entrepreneurship is if you're doing it right, you gain a lot of freedom. And it's my number one message is freedom and authenticity. Because if you're doing it right, you can work around what is best for you, your family, your life outside of business. And you can build a brand that represents you and who you are. And then you get to show up at this job that is you, that, it, that represents all the different parts of you. And it's so there's freedom in that. So there's not just time freedom, but like alignment freedom and freedom to be who you really are at all times. And, you know, today I knew it was going to be 50 degrees in New York. It hasn't been that in, in a long while. And I woke my butt up 
early instead of, well, I always wake up early, but instead of doing my normal thing, I did work. I worked till 12 o'clock and then I went to the boardwalk and walked on the boardwalk for the, like an hour and a half before we hopped on here because I can, because I can, because I have the freedom to choose when I work and how I work. And, you know, and that's part of this journey that I love getting people into because it's like, you can have it all. And no one ever says that, but it's true. You, you have that, uh, that energy factor. And I think that what it is that it comes across is like, you really are living it. And I think that that's like the authenticity that comes through you, you know? Um, I noticed also you have multiple type personalities and that's not a diagnosis by any means, but you that have- That sounds very, like one. <laughs> not at all. But when you, sometimes when you go through these, you feel like a stalker, but I would do my best to do my homework. But you have these, you have, you have great, you, have, you do a lot of fun things, you do things, and then you take things serious. And one of the things I thought was super cool is um, you have for your barbershop, you decided to do skits. And, and normal life goes through and we have things that, you know, regular marketing and things like that. What triggered you to decide we're going to create something that's going to be continual? Because they're like skits. They're little small, little, little skits that you do. What brought about that idea? So most of what I've learned in, mar in marketing is actually from my partner, my business partner, because he just naturally has this gift of branding. And we were, when we started out 10 years ago, we were like, this is boring. We're not going to keep posting haircut after haircut. So what do we do? And he drew a lot of inspiration from Ralph Lauren and Tommy Hilfiger, who build their brand around a lifestyle. It's not necessarily about whatever they're selling, but it's about how you feel when you see the mm -hmm. stuff they're putting out. And then you're like leaning into the brand because you like that life. And so he was just like, let's do that. Like, why don't we do that with Mad Men? And so we started, he started to do that in different ways with different movies that he liked and stuff. And when we got divorced, a lot of people found it interesting that we, because we had by then made a name in the community and people found it interesting that we were divorced and business partners. So we started to do these spoofy skits about us and, you know, working together. And um, then we started getting into like each of our personalities. Like I used to love those Orbitz commercials where the woman has a British accent. So I started spoofing that. He started spoofing um, Bruce Willis and, you know, some of the movies that he likes and it just became fun. And it worked like people were really, it was resonating with them. They thought it was interesting and they wanted to test us out because they liked who we were showing up as in the business. That's, that's so cool. And I think that it's like what people I think should be recognizing a lot of is like, there's an endless amount of creativity and what you just shared really was just kind of chunking other things and reverse engineering, and then just basically putting your own mask on it. Yeah, sense. and you'll you even see it with my brand pivot and slay is my coaching consulting business, yeah, and my core values are fun, um, empowerment. I talk about freedom, authenticity, right? These are the messages. So in my marketing, I use these notions, right? I show you me. I show you me without my makeup on. I show you me goofing around with my kids. I show you me on the boardwalk at the beach in the middle of the day. I let you into my life so that you can see who I am, because if you see who I am and you trust me, then you will trust my brand and what it can do for you and how it can change your life. And so, you know, I could go on all day and be like, oh, I'm a coach and this is what coaches do. And that's boring, right? Like, how does that 
that set me apart from one of the other consultants of the world. Mm-hmm. What sets me apart is what I infuse into the company. And that's my personality and the things that I hold near and dear. What was the, um, I mean, the name pivot and slay. And I was trying to think like what that night was like, you know, it's like we could, you come up with names all the time. Sometimes they just show up and you're going to brand something or so. What was the, what was behind that name? Was it you personally? I mean, was it your shift of like, this is my pivot and I'm not holding, I'm going to slay. I mean, that's pretty much. Well, I, the word pivot got such a bad rap during COVID and I don't Mm -hmm. like the way that it's being used. To me, a pivot is really purposeful turn that you Mm -hmm. take to, to get around a hurdle so that you can still slay your goal. And when I was coming up with the name of my company, I was thinking about all the times in my life where I've had to really adapt to the situation. You know, I gave you already some examples, like in law school when I didn't get in, right? I had to adapt when I had to show up in a room full of future lawyers unprepared, right? How to adapt. I'm a litigator, so I think on my feet. And I'm a huge fan of the show Friends. And they have this great scene where they're moving a couch up a staircase and they're saying pivot. I saw that when I was younger and I just always use that word and I'll just mess around and be like, pivot, pivot. Like, I'll just do that with my friends. So I knew when I was making this company to help people find freedom and scale their businesses that I needed to incorporate a word like pivot so that people know, like, you could have the best laid plan, but if you're not adaptable, you're never going to win. Because you're nothing is going to come at you the way you think it is. So you better be able to. I think that that's, there is so much to unpack there because people get stuck and they don't. So here's a good question because you, you know, you're working with people all the time, running these types of scenarios. And when you see someone does that, how do you, how do you look at the things they have to let go? Because quite often it's like people want to pivot and take stuff. How do you, how do you pay? That's why I said pivot then slay, because if Mm. you just keep pivoting, you're like a dog with one leg missing, right? You're just like going around in a circle, a circle, a circle. You have to pivot and then continue on forward towards your goal. So you got to slay the goal still. When, well, people get stuck because they're, they want to control everything, right? So they, they craft this perfect scenario where if they do everything this way, then everything will work out. And it's like, have you ever had a plan really work out the way you thought it was? No, it never happens. Right. So why are you trying to craft a perfect universe when one doesn't exist? Just start, just start because things are going to happen and take you off the path. So you might as well just stop thinking about all that crap and just start starting. So that's what I tell them, start starting. Um, And I can tell you that from I've been in business now as an entrepreneur for over 10 years and everything I ever thought of and tried to anticipate never happened and a whole mess of other crap happened. So it doesn't matter how much you overthink it. What you're thinking of is probably not going to be the thing that derails you at the end of the day. So you might as well just start. And as things come, you adapt and you pivot and you keep slaying. And that's why I named my company that because it's so impactful. And when you read the title, you know exactly what I mean. Like you intuitively just understand yeah. what I'm saying. You know that there's like a position you have to take care. I mean, if you're going to work with you, you're going to have to pivot and literally go yeah. for it. You and know? what's the worst that could happen? That's what I ask these people, right? Like, okay. Well, what do you scared. think that is? I mean, that is, uh, that's a really good question. I mean, 
because I know that a lot of people will say that, like, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. Okay. Well, a lot could happen, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, you lose it all. Okay. What did that really mean? I don't, I don't know what that really means anyways. If you were on a bad trajectory anyways, weren't you on your way to losing that as well? Or maybe it was a slow death and you just weren't prepared or you were, you were thinking that things can change. If you don't make those changes, you're just on kind of a, a race to zero. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of reasons to be scared, no doubt. And, and they're all valid. They're all valid. No one wants to lose everything. No one wants to make the wrong choice. But my mantra is wrong decision over indecision any day, because if you make a wrong decision, at least you learn the lesson and then you can move on with that knowledge and continue forward with as a smarter human than you were a few minutes ago. Right. Yeah. Um, my little brother just left his job, right? He, he was really miserable and he wanted to do his own thing and he's younger than me. So I was like coaching him along, you know, and I said to him, what are you so scared of? Well, I have this cushy job. I don't like it, but it's very stable and this and that. I'm like, so you're miserable in this mediocre job. You think if you go out and fail at this entrepreneur thing, you can't find another mediocre job that you'll be miserable at? I mean, that's you can find that any day of the week. You want a job you hate? I got 10 down I the street. I got 10, right? I can give you. <laughs> I mean, come on. What that's the worst that could happen is that you leave your miserable job, you go out, you try something that could be amazing. It's either going to be amazing or it's going to suck. And then you go back to your mediocrity. That's it. That's what you're scared of. Well, he left two days later <laughs> because you put it in perspective, right? Like, Go find another job you hate in a year if this doesn't work out. It's okay. And I had a business with, with my partner, my business partner, ex-husband, the before Mad Men that didn't work out. It's not like we had, we got successful on our first shot, you know, like any successful person has a, also a story of failure. I, it, it's the laws of almost baseball. It gets brought up a lot, but like swinging the bat is literally the answer. I mean, if you look at, you know, large mutual funds, all they're doing is putting a bunch of clump of stocks in there. And we're saying, we're assuming that some are going to lose and the other one's going to hedge funds do the same thing. Investment it's in the name hedge, <laughs> right? You're hedging your bet. Cause you know, some of them are going to branded stop. that name so well that you sometimes stop and think of the name. And you're like, that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. So as, as you go through this and you come up with all of this, you have a lot of energy. You obviously have put together systems and structures and things like that. When it comes to one thing I always talk about is like your personality can shine the, the more your systems are in play, because then you can create creativity in those small little systems and put all that energy inside there. How do you manage your day? Like, do you, do you find yourself managing yourself like in a weekly sense you find yourself structuring out like 90 days out you like to plan out what how do you like to to plan you you were sharing with you know you're like to control it all if I could get done at 12 but not everybody has that skill set I mean that's you know your your dream skill set I guess what what do you I think mean, it is that makes you different on being able to do that the thing that makes me different is I do the work when I don't feel like doing the work 
I still stick to the plan. I stick to the schedule when I don't feel like it, when I don't feel like waking up, when I don't feel like working out, when I don't feel like meditating, when I don't feel like writing a contract, when I don't feel like talking to my clients, I do it anyway, Mm -hmm. because that's the plan. And I know if I stick to it, I will continue on my goals and get to where I need to be. Now, that doesn't mean I don't give myself some grace because I do. And there's tons of entrepreneurs out there who are like, you have to, no matter what, you have to do it. And I believe in that a lot because consistency is what makes us successful, right? I consistently do the things. That doesn't mean I, I do my, I do the best I possibly can every single second of every single day, right? But I still get up and I do them anyway. And I think that's what sets me apart is I'm willing to continue when other people aren't. Um, I, I do like on Sunday nights, I'll plan out how I'm going to structure my week so that I can hit all of the major parts of my life. So I have pivot and slay. I have my mad men business, my kids, my personal stuff, right. That I have to take care of me and pour into me. Um, and I make sure that I hit all those things throughout the week. And I plan those things out on a weekly basis, but I'm very, I'm very uh, aware of who I am and how I work. I know when I'm going to be able to get a lot done in a small chunk of time. I know what time of the day I'm able to do that the best. I know how to schedule my day out so that I have that time dedicated to the tasks I need the most brain power for. And I know how to schedule my afternoons, like what I could do then when I have less and less brain power as the day goes on. You know, the trick is know yourself and, and budget your time within those confines. And that's how you'll be efficient, right? Because we want to work smart. I don't want to work a thousand hours a day. I want to work six hours a day and get everything I need done in a great way. And everyone's happy. No one knows that I only worked four hours today. Do you think anyone who's I sent work to or had a call with knew? No. Cause I gave them a hundred percent of me in that moment. So they don't really care if I go to the beach or I don't because whatever they needed me for was done. And that's the trick of it. So you have to have a larger 90 day, you know, five year, one year plan, et cetera. But for to dial in on the daily just be honest with yourself about what you need for success and then do it even when you don't feel like it. And I think you bring up like a really good point. And that is, and I talk about this too, is a lot. It's like really good. It's just like, if you set that up and you're consistent, what you just shared though, is the reason that you kind of know, if I get this right, tell me if I, right. But you got to know yourself because you were so consistent that you found the things that weren't working. Yeah. And yeah. I think it, what that's kind of what you're saying. And, and anybody that I think doesn't have that, you seem like you have the natural trait, but it's still a pain in the ass, right? It's like, this it's is not a hundred percent natural and, yeah. and you can replicate it. <laughs> this is not natural to you. It's extra hard. I get yeah. it. But if you just, if you, if you take your week, right. And you just think about when did I get the most done? And you start to analyze it and think like, well, what was going on that day? What did I do that day that made me really focus? Oh, I exercised. Oh, interesting. Maybe I'm very focused right after I exercise. So maybe I should do that work right after I exercise. Let's see if that works. And then you do it and then you test it out and then it works. So then you keep it or it doesn't work and you change it, you know, and you keep trying to figure out but you have to analyze it first and not with judgment, you know, like just neutrally, like when was I focused? Like for me, I can't work at eight o'clock at night. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just not there. There are people who that's when they shine. 
So you got to figure it out and test it out and see what works for you. You can do it no matter the personality type. You just have to be dedicated to testing and then stick to what you know will work. I think it sounds like, you know, a lot of people think that there's like a magic trick. I was watching a um, podcast with Ray Dalio um, and he was talking about um, Elon Musk and he was talking about uh, Bill Gates. He was calling them shapeshifters. And he says the thing that they're really good at is that they can see the vision and then they can see the small part and then kind of do that part. But it was really interesting because, you know, billionaire talks about these billionaires and it comes down to the same stuff. It comes down to they made a decision and they're going to shift as they go along. I mean, I think Elon Musk kind of in your same thing, it's like, where is he going to get the answers to get to Mars? I mean, going at least halfway up the rocket, right? He's <laughs> kind of got to go a little yeah. bit. Uh, well, first of all, I'm so happy to be in the same sentence as Elon Musk. I mean, that's cool. I was but, hooking um, you up. That's what I was doing. I see that. I appreciate you. Um, but no, it's the exact point is like, you, you're not going to know unless you do it. Like, how are you going to know? I was on a call with a client the other day and he was like, but I don't understand how that's going to get me to there. And I'm like, well, how are you going to understand it? If you just keep doing this with me, call after call, week after week, talking about it, are you going to understand it anymore? Are you going to try it and do it and then see if you get it and then see how to pivot? Like if you, if you just stand still, you're not going to get anything. And and that's the frustrating part about law too, is like in school, right? They teach That came out of nowhere. I was great. And that's- Well, watch, watch me, watch Let me connect to that. to law. Because in law school, they talk about like, what if, and how about this? And how about that? And it's like, well, why don't we just go and do it and see what happens? Why don't we just go and argue it and see what happens? You know what I mean? Like put- Put your foot to the pedal and and hit it and let's see what happens. Because Elon Musk not going to get up into uh, to Mars just by thinking about it. He's going to do a bunch of crap and he's going to fail. And then one day he's not. And, and then there you have it. Yeah, big time. I mean, he's a different beast. If you ever follow his stuff quite often, he is a beast, man. The guy is quite incredible. Um, I was curious on a local level because you do um, pivot and slay. You obviously would do that across the country. You probably could do it outside of the country and things like that. So you have a national opening for that and you do business that way. But on a local level, um, obviously, because we have a pandemic and things like that. But when you're running now a local business in a barbershop as well, I was curious as a guy who likes to go to the barbershop. I was curious, what are some of the <laughs> some of the triggers of that you've learned in the barbershop marketing that pull men into cool shops like that. And I, I used to work for Harley Davidson. I understand kind of some of those things, but barbershops are quite special. And the ones that you find that catch you, you kind of keep going back. What were some things on a local level that you found pulling people in? Well, when we opened a decade ago, there was no such thing as cool barbershops. That wasn't actually a thing yet. We were kind of ahead of the curve there. And we just wanted to create a place that wasn't girly. And that also wasn't a dump because at the time it was like, you could go to this little tiny dump that's been around and not updated for the last 50 years, or you can go to a woman's salon. And that wasn't like, I know that's not what men want, right? They want a manly place that they could go and feel comfortable and like do their thing and hang out a little bit. And so we created that for them. And so up front, that was the thing that set us apart. And everybody came because that was different and unique. 
as the barber industry developed and other people started to, um, you know, do the same concept, we really had to think outside the box and continuously change the vibe of the shops because we wanted to stay new and fresh. And if someone can go to another shop that looks just like ours, then where is the difference? Right. And obviously it's in the cuts. Um, we have a high caliber barbers working for us now that we have a name established in the community. Um, but really I think it's our ability to continuously evolve the vibe of the shop while still maintaining our original, um, appeal. So we change, but not so much that we're unrecognizable, just enough that it gives the customers like a fresh perspective and we we're always changing up our advertising to keep it funny because I think that helps. <laughs> I think yeah, I think that's such an interesting side because it's like you know guys we don't want to go get our hair cut unless you're trying you know especially if you start getting like I I can wait another day I can wait another day, but as I was going through it's like you created an environment where it's almost like a destination. Yeah. And then as you go through that destination, you kind of want to come back and have that experience you know? Yeah, exactly. Do, do you find yourself doing that type of uh, structure when you start a business? Do you look at the way that like that entertainment, almost like how Disney would do it, right? It was like, hey, I want you to come in, watch the show, enjoy yourself, have popcorn, go through the whole thing. Do you look at the experience or do you find yourself looking at like, here's the math of the local area, that we can pull in the demographic or do you find yourself going straight to like, I can pull the people out. I think it's both because you need to have a pool of people to pull in. So you have to make sure that the location is on spot. Um, But then I know that if the, the numbers are at a certain level that I'll be able to pull what we need into the shop with our marketing and set us apart from everybody else. So you have a, uh, a new book that you're releasing. Did it just come out? Did I see that? Yes, it did. Tell me a little um, bit about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, this is my second book this year mm-hmm. from 2021. I wrote two books, which is pretty exciting. Um, well, the first one, as we discussed, was more about like the mindset of how to pivot and gain your confidence and get routine and structure down pat. The second book is much more tactical. It's about how to physically start a business. It goes through, it's called Startup Legends. And I'm not the only author. I'm a co-author with a couple of my friends who are also major business owners and ballers. Um, and they, we each took a section, right? So I wrote up how to start the business, how to form an entity, what contracts you need, um, you know, all that back end stuff that you need just to structure it to begin with, how to trademark and protect your brand. And then we have someone talking about how to get lines of credit, how to establish core values so that you can get like a good culture within your company, Um, how tax information about, you know, what your taxes could and should look like and how you should go about that. So it's really, it is a legit handbook where you can pick it up and read through and be like, okay, I now have the tools I need just to get started. Because there are people who need that information. Like they're just so scared to start because they don't know um, how to even begin. So this is great if you're that kind of person because it really walks you through step-by-step. 
what was it like? Because obviously this is your second book and I, the other one that you did, it was that one more on, it was all yours, right? Your book. And then this one, yeah. you were part of that book, right? Yeah. What was that like as um, somebody that, you know, you obviously went through, you know, legal and you kind of go through starting business. And the next thing you know, you have to put yourself on the face of a book. That is that problem. Does that, do you find that changes a little bit of who you, like you a little bit? I would sometimes books do things to people. <laughs> For sure. I mean, the whole concept of writing the book, it was very weird because I showed up as me and I'm like, why does anyone want to know this? And then someone said, no, this is interesting. Like, go put it out there. You're going to motivate people. And I thought, okay, well, in the writing of the book, that seven month process was, I learned so much about myself and I started to see all these connections. I don't think I had seen before because who really go takes the rundown of their life from start to finish yeah. through their head. That's not something we do. So I learned so much about myself and then I had to do this photo shoot and I put myself on the cover and I'm like, this is surreal. Then I launched it and people liked it and then they were following me and then they were asking me questions and I was getting interviewed and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, you know, that imposter syndrome comes in, like, who am I yeah. to have this book? Who am I to, to lead the way here? Like, who am I? Right. And then you start realizing like, you know, so much stuff that other people don't like you take it for granted because it's your journey. And so you just assume, cause we're all kind of selfish in that way. We're in our bubble and we're like, Oh, everybody knows this. Right. Cause like we all go through this and then people are like, no, I never went through that. What are you talking about? Yeah. And you start to realize all this power you have in that knowledge. And, um, I recently, back in November, I read my book out loud for the audio version. Mm. And I realized like, man, I've changed so much since I, I wrote the book. Yeah. I was reading it and it was just like the language is different than what I would use now. And, you know, the way I showed up in my story was different than how I am now. And it, it was weird to see that evolution. So there was like three parts of it, like the writing of it, the launching of it, and then the reading of it. It was a ride. It was a wild ride. Did you did you sit and actually start to put everything together? Did you audio it? What was like your, did you have somebody else like fill in the things for you? What was your pro, like, what was your process? I wrote the whole thing myself. You know, it's funny because someone told me just audio record it and then you can get it transcribed and then you can edit the transcription. I did that for a chapter or two. And I'm like, what the F? Like, I don't speak the way I write because I'm I love writing and I was an English lit major. So I've been writing my whole life as a lawyer. And I realized that is not for me. Like, I need my my voice coming out in my written tone. And I rewrote all the chapters that I transcribed and I did it. You know, I did the whole the whole book myself. And I had a, I have an editor you know, she put everything together and she was like, you need to write more here. This doesn't make sense. Revise, revise. But I did it all myself, no ghostwriter or anything like that. And then when it came time to do the audio book, which I didn't even know was the thing because I read books because I'm a book person. Um, someone, I was going to hire someone to read it. And he was like, no, you have to do this yourself. I'm not even going to get you a person like this is so impactful. If you read mm -hmm. it, your intonation is going to really rev people up. So I was like, okay, I'll read it. It was weird. It was crazy. That it, it, I think that books are really cool because you kind of got it. You got to look at yourself, right? So it's like you all of a sudden you're like, I'm on the billboard. I'm like the person um, that's, do you find yourself being someone that's going to have five books 
over the years, 10 books, do you find yourself wanting to write more? I do. Yeah. I love to write. And the more I evolve, the more I have to say, right. Because I could just take it from where pivot and slay left off and keep going. And I have a bunch more stories to tell just from that short time frame, Right. And I think um, the more I get under my belt, um, the more I'm going to want to tell them because I realize I'm now realizing how we all have a lot of common problems as entrepreneurs. And if I can showcase some of those problems in a book and help people, it's a lot more accessible to a lot more people than coaching is, you know, because coaching can be expensive and, you know, not everybody has the time or they're not ready or they don't understand how it can help them. But a book, everybody can understand that. It's like a tangible way for people to lean in and it's private. So they don't actually have to share anything until they, they gain that trust with you. And I would just love to help more people. I think, yeah, yeah I have it in me. I definitely do. Well, Jessica, this has been awesome. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun and you got a great personality. I I can see why you're successful and why you're going to help so many people. How do people find you? Thank you so much for that. Um, You can find me at pivotandslay.com. You can find my book there. You can apply for my coaching program, pivotandslay.com. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook at the Jessica Denny. That was awesome. Thank you so much for being on the episode of Move Entrepreneur of All. Appreciate it. Thank you. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Move is to entrepreneurs.